welcome to the Cold Pizza Party. My name's Lubitsa. Cold Pizza Party Podcast. Oh, okay. Is that what we're calling it? <laughs> That's what we always call it. I guess so. <laughs> I'm Adam. Um, we're podcasting. This is the Cold Pizza Party Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about TV mostly and politics mostly, and sometimes how they meet. Yeah. Or the politics of TV or other culture stuff. Last we- week we talked to... What's that? I was just going to say, we like to say that... Our politics, our leftists, mm-hmm. our tastes on TV are pretty trashy. Yeah. I'm off. I'm not doing the normal stuff. I'm free, free, uh... Yeah, free balling. Free, free winging it. Last week we talked about fashion, which was fun. It was like two weeks ago. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually, uh, the podcast that we've had, like, the most response to. Like, we had a lot more listeners than normal write to us or... Um, respond like via Facebook or whatever to say that they really liked it and almost all of those people were women which I think is really awesome just because I don't know I listen to a lot of podcasts that are leftist where they always joke about how they have no women in their audience which like way to erase me guys but (laughs) (laughs) but also like it made me feel really good that there are so many like leftist women that were really enjoying our podcast but then at the same time it got like the least plays like any of our podcasts have gotten in a long time and i think it was because there are a lot of sexist men in the world and they uh decided not to listen to our podcast because (laughs) they saw the word fashion in there and they thought nope this isn't for me so uh stop being sexist and go listen to our podcast if you're not listening to the podcast, you're definitely a sexist. I if, just wanna... if you think that, oh, I don't care about fashion, I don't have thoughts about fashion, just think how much it annoys you if somebody says that about politics. Yeah. Because you dress yourself every day. You have an opinion. Like, yeah. Yeah. You live in it this world. You have an opinion life. about yeah. politics. You have an opinion about fashion. Yeah. And, and mostly we just talked about, uh, you know, how to enjoy it and the politics of it. Yeah, like us. the class. Nothing serious. Yeah, but also, like, the class implications and stuff. Like, anyway, it doesn't matter. I just wanted to point that out because I (laughs) thought it was interesting. I guess I don't really think you're sexist if you didn't listen to it, but (laughs) a little bit. Okay. (laughs) Just a little bit. Um, Okay, so do you have any recommendations for this week? Um, Well, I had, not really. I had a little thing I wanted to talk about, but. Okay, do you want me to give my recommendation? So my recommendation this week is skincare. Well, specifically, oh, dang it. Okay, let's restart You're going to have all the men tune out again. (laughs) You're trying to sync this podcast. My recommendation this week is sunscreen. Uh, It's because I've been watching this YouTube channel a lot by this dermatologist. Uh, I think she goes by Dr. Dre, but it's D-R-A-Y on YouTube. And she talks about, like all different types of skincare products. And it's really great because, you know, when you're in the store and you read that something has salicylic acid in it or niacinamide or um, ceramides or whatever, it's, like, really hard to know what that actually means and if it's just, like, marketing bullshit or if it's really going to do something for you. Um, But if you, like, watch enough of her videos, she'll, like, she just goes through, like, the grocery store and just basically, like, points out, like, what all these different products have in them and what the active ingredients and stuff are. And you start to, like, learn that, like, licorice root actually has been shown to have a brightening effect on skin or same with niacinamide or stuff like that, which is, like, really cool and helpful to know. But she also constantly harps on how important it is to use sunscreen. And she talks about some of, like, the disfiguring things that skincare can lead to, like, 
Um, especially like a, that a lack of skincare can lead to a lack of oh yes lack of sunscreen exactly yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you told me if you don't put sunscreen on your eyelids, you could get skin cancer on your eyelids. Yeah, yeah, and that that, that imagine, can be quite disfiguring. Imagine like they what do they call it when they cut the cancer out of you? That surgery. Yeah, but then after that, you just don't have eyelids anymore. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It's scary. It's really scary. Or like on your lips, also. Uh, And she also specifically recommends a mineral based. I think it's. um, Oh shoot! I should have grabbed the thing. It's like zinc oxide, and there's another thing like titanium. I don't know. The point is, look for a mineral based uh, sunscreen because that is a, a physical block to the sun as opposed to what most of our sunscreens are in the U.S., which is a chemical sunscreen. And apparently those are not photostable, so they degrade in the sun a lot more quickly, which is really antithetical, I would yeah. think, to sunscreen. It sounds like there's a lot of scams. Yeah. And, mm. I mean, you still need to reapply the mineral sunscreen, but, like, less often and, you know, like I said, it's like a physical block. Um, so the one that I got for my face based on her recommendations is the CeraVe, uh, I think it's like the CeraVe daytime moisturizer with sunscreen. And she recommends between SPF 30 and 50. And it has in this uh, moisturizer, the mineral sunscreen. And it's very easy because you can just put it on your face. It doesn't put a white cast on your face. It doesn't clog your pores. Because I, well, that's one of the reasons I like never got into wearing sunscreen when I was younger is I was really worried it was going to clog my pores. Anyway, this has been the skincare hour <laughs> okay, with okay. Dr. Levitza. I told Adam I'm going to become a dermatologist now because I've been like learning so much. But yeah, wear sunscreen is my point. Especially now it's getting nicer out. You're going to be outside even more. Although the UVA rays get through the window and those are the ones that age you. They cause deep, deep level of uh, skin layer damage. You need to wear sunscreen, even if you're inside, but there's any light like coming through your windows. Okay. Yeah. You're really fired up about... I really am. I'm very passionate about this now. I recommend her later videos. Yeah. After she... Like learned. Gets, well, what she does now is she will just drive to the grocery store and leave the camera on and start talking about how... I'm going to H-Mart. Should I go to Walmart? I think I'll go to H-Mart. Maybe I'll go to Kmart. Maybe I'll hit all the marts. Does anybody go to Kmart anymore? I like, I miss Kmart. She hangs out a lot with her mom, too. It's, like, pretty cute. (laughs) Um, I think an underrated aspect of um, the internet opening everything up, um, I don't know why people don't have more of a taste for just normal people that are on the internet and just being so normal, it's funny. Yeah, I joke with Adam that her videos are, like, aggressively boring because... She will just be like, there's like, if she has any cuts in her video, they're always, they're actually kind of bad editing and in like really weird funny, places. Really funny, bad editing. We, when she, she was driving to the, talking about Kmart and stuff, she just mid sentence yeah. cut it. And it was a cut where like the, it zoomed out and there were two boxes yeah. of different cuts. And then the next cut just zoomed in and she was in the middle of a second sentence. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. It's so strange. <laughs> But she doesn't do, like, anything to try to make her YouTube videos, like, more appealing. It's, like, very straightforward. And she's also very budget conscious. So she, like, poo-poos, like, a bunch. She basically just looks at drugstore Oh, you know what else is really great about her YouTube videos is that she will make a video just to complain about people she saw at the buffet not paying for their food. Yeah, yeah. Or, Or, like, eating too many nuts in the bulk (laughs) bins at H-E-B. Yeah. (laughs) She's just so aggressively normal. It's really funny. Yeah, she also has like the um, like 
comedic uh, tone of a dad, yeah. basically. <laughs> it's like a, a dad jokes doctor. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's cool. she's very practical and no nonsense, but I really like it and it's really helpful. And I think if you watch enough of her videos, you'll get a good sense of what kind of skincare routine you need pretty quickly and what ingredients you want to incorporate into your skincare. We so. got into sort of the mainstream famous YouTubers this week a little bit. That no, like weird. there was like one hour where we watched like five videos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but well, that's like the most we've ever seen. That's all we could take. Really. Yeah, yeah. Was there was a point where though. we were like, okay, this is the last video we're watching because I can't. <laughs> yeah, for some reason it recommended, YouTube recommended like a video about Jake Paul's, what do you call it? The 10, whatever. Jake Paul gang? <laughs> Basically, yeah. Like the crazy rules, he makes them sign away like 20% of all earnings and commit to like five for five years, 20% yeah. of everything you earn goes to him. Insane. You all have to live in a house together. You can't have people over without permission. You can't, can't drink. drink in the house. Yeah. Uh, they all work out at 10 PM, which is such a yeah. weird time to go work out. And they all have to be up at 10 AM making videos every day. Otherwise they have to pay 50 bucks and yeah. you have to pay 500 bucks. If you, I don't know, like aren't producing content every day or something. <laughs> yeah. And now I saw Jake Paul's going to Parkland to um, share his thoughts on how we can end school shooting. <laughs> also, it turns out he's like such a creep. Like yeah. there was a girl's video we watched that I guess it's was his Alyssa. like ex-girlfriend. What was her name? Allison Violet? Alyssa Violet? Something Violet. Something yeah. Something A named Violet. She's another big YouTuber, probably almost as big as he is now. Yeah. Well, they were like dating or whatever. Anyway, she apparently left the... I don't know what they're called, the Paul Gang or whatever, and Gang 10, what are they called? I don't know. Anyway, everything revolves around 10 for some reason. Anyway, um, they, they broke up or whatever, and she put out a video, like, explaining their breakup, and she talked about just, like, what an absolute asshole he was like it was gross like it's really cringy yeah if you like seeing like reality tv cringe moments it's a good thing to look up you don't have to know any context you can yeah yeah we didn't know any context but like also you can just be like oh my gosh this guy is just wow like what an asshole and then it ends with a really bad diss track oh yeah yeah they all put out diss tracks i mean it wasn't awful awful. no it was awful the level of uh, cultural blackface amongst all these people is is really crazy really crazy Yeah. yeah Yeah, yeah. That was interesting. That was, I uh, thought rice gum was okay. Too shouty, bad skits. Yeah. Something really interesting about these videos is that they don't have topics. I guess because they're making content they're every like day. They're like schizophrenic as yeah, fuck. Yeah, they're really like, schizophrenic. It's, it'll just be like them talking and then it just fades out and now we're in a completely different thing. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. We always say the our favorite part of reality TV shows is just when people are hanging out and having a good time and being friends. And that's kind of what you got on these videos. And yet, it's still kind of, I don't know, but they're, didn't appeal to us that much. I yeah, guess. but they're also, like, like fake normal. Yeah, you know? it's really, you gotta, you gotta, it's it's weird. Yeah, because that's another fun part of reality TV is, like, imagining the meta level, right? Yeah. But imagining the meta level of these YouTubers is a little depressing. Yeah, Either because... they're getting too much money for doing nothing, or they have too much debt, because they have lamborghinis and big houses and shit they're like showing up like oh i just dropped four thousand dollars at the gucci store yeah it's like oh (laughs) and i don't know you're not even 21 my dude (laughs) put some of that money aside (laughs) (laughs) or like they ran into that other youtuber in the parking lot at walmart yeah and had fun together but they're both videotaping each other the whole time 
And, and they're both talking stress. about how much, co- like, they're like, oh, content. I need content. Well, let's hang out because I need content. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, okay, wait. Now they're like talking. And it's like, hold on. Now do this for the thumbnail. Do that. This is going to yeah. be the thumbnail. Da-da. Like, it's a very, like. They've instrumentalized their lives. Yeah. And, like, the thing with reality shows is sometimes, like, you're like, oh, man, the producers are definitely fucking with them right now because someone shows up late to something like, especially, like, with Housewives, it's, like, really clear that, like, the producers probably, like, just sent them there late to start drama, you yeah. know, with the among them. But there's no producers here. So these people, everything that is happening, they're, like, orchestrating it themselves. And they're essentially exploiting themselves, like, really aggressively. Yeah. And it's it's freaky. Yeah. It's really freaky to watch. Yeah, it does stress me out. Yeah. Also because they're so young, I think that's also part of what stresses me out because mm-hmm. it's, like... I don't know if you're, like, really equipped to make sound, like, decisions, like, mental health. Like, I I feel like that's going to affect their mental health, I guess, is what really worries me, like, in the long run. (laughs) Yeah. They're also a little shouty, which stresses me out. Yeah, they're really shouty. I wonder if I picked that up from Disney shows or what. Yeah, my mom hates Disney shows. She's always like, why? why?" I remember, like, Hannah Montana was on in the background one time, and she was just like, why is this little thing shouting all the time? <laughs> little 13-year-old just screaming at the top. Every line just being screamed at the top of her lungs. Like, Yeah. Anyway. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Um, so my thing was, uh, I, I read this. Uh, it's been a little while since we did this episode, or the last episode. So I had something in mind that I read like a week ago, and didn't get to talk about it yet, so it's not the freshest in my mind, but... Um, there's a really good Intercept article about uh, Jared Kushner and the flagship Kushner property. Oh, God. 666 I know. Park Avenue. I know. Or Fifth Avenue. Yeah. 666 Park Avenue was a TV show we <laughs> yeah. watched about like a haunted building, basically. <laughs> well, maybe that's what this was is, though, because it's like a building they can't get the funding to to finish. Mm. But it's supposed to be like the crown jewel, you know, so there's a little bit cursed, I guess. But basically what happened, it, it turns out, Papa Kush, went, who runs the company mainly, went to uh, meet the Qatari finance minister because Qatar has a sovereign wealth fund. They basically have like um, an in-house, like when rich people have that in-house money manager, mm-hmm. but they have it for their country, or at least, you know, the ruling family, for all the nation's wealth. So they <laughs> invest all the nation's wealth like a, a rich family wherever they want. Yeah. So... Papa Kush met with him to try to get funding for 666 Fifth Avenue and uh, got turned down because they didn't think it was a good investment. And then less than a month later was the big uh, blow up last year where it looked like Qatar was going to go to war with Saudi Arabia and shit. Mm-hmm. When uh, Sa- Saudi and UAE did the huge like blockade on Qatar and started right. putting shit in their media about how they're funding terrorism and shit. Right. And Trump basically took Saudi's side. Rex Tillerson, meanwhile, was trying to resolve tensions, and Jared Kushner was preventing him from doing so. Probably because Qatar did not fund his fucking pet yeah. project. Yeah. So, you know, that's the big outline. Well, I mean, it's been said before, but it's just hilarious how, like, all of these people are basically a bunch of criminals who could have just gotten along being, like, criminals and grifters if, like, you know, their, like, idiot father hadn't decided that he wanted to run for president (laughs) to, like, boost the ratings of his fucking TV show. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So now it turns out if you don't do what, like, the Kushner business wants you to do, you may end up embroiled in a war. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's fucking terrifying. Yeah. Cool. What else do you They're want to They're changing about? the oh. name. They want to make it like 660th Avenue now. I, I think that's bad. I how, think how, it's like iconic and memorable this yeah. way. But how comically evil is it? This yeah. is our flagship property. I know. 666. I know. Like, if you wrote that again, if you wrote the reality we live down as I know. fiction. I know. It'd nobody... be like, yeah, the son uh, or the son-in-law of the idiot of president <laughs> building 666. Six, six, yeah. Yeah. yeah, the flagship property of yeah. Kushner Properties. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Any, what else do we want to talk about? We were talking at lunch. Yeah, we should talk about that a little bit? Yeah, recap that a little bit, talk about it a little bit. Sure. Should we start by saying, uh, well, I feel like the Russia scandal is a fandom. Yeah. Like, the only people who really take in all the details are, are fans and geeks, nerds, about the Russia scandal. Yeah, I was saying to you the other day that like, sometimes, it, like, we have a hard time following it because it's just, it's hard for me to care about, I guess. Yeah. But whenever we, like, interact with, like, normal people, they have, like, a lot of the details down and know all the key players and stuff like that. And I was saying to Adam, like, at first it's like, wow, well, like, how do they remember all this stuff? But, and, but, and, and because we were talking about, like, hearing dissident voices on, you know, like, the mainstream media, like, CNN or whatever, MSNBC. And you, you were saying, like, well, there's just not a lot of chance to hear a lot of dissident voices, which is why even though I know, like, RT is, you know, funded by Russia, I still like to watch, you know, like, Chris Hedges' show or whatever on there sometimes because you hear a different perspective. And I was saying to you, it's not just that you don't hear dissident voices on these channels. It's that they drum the same drum beat every day until it's, like, drummed into your brain so that you know every single beat, basically. Every minor character. And, like. yeah, and, and when you, like, watch, like, if you got really into watching MSNBC or whatever, I think you learn the story. It's like it's like watching TV. Like, it's like watching a soap opera or um, Riverdale or whatever, you know? But more like a sci-fi, sh- like Battlestar or something. But you've read all the books because... There's so many characters that the people that are really into the, the Russia scandal keep in their head. It's incredible. Yeah, but my point is, just like a TV show can show you a lot of different storylines and characters, and rather than that turning you off, it, like the more complicated it gets, the mm. more you're engrossed in the show. That's true, yeah. I think that's what happens on MSNBC or CNN or whatever with the Russia Gate stuff, and I think that that's why a lot of people get into it. It's like. Or, or, like, wrestling scenarios, right? I haven't ever really gotten into wrestling, but I remember there was a time when my dad got into it for a while, and my mom and I would tease him that it was, like, soap operas for men. It's just all these, like, storylines and stuff that are ridiculous, and one day they're friends, and one day they're fighting. Or, or that's what it seems like for, as an outsider. I don't know. Yeah. This is kind of that same thing. It's, like, these storylines, like, twist and turn, and people who were allies, like Roger Stone or whatever, are now, like, turning against... Trump yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Or now there's a, there's a new wild card. The, the prostitute who is in Thailand giving a workshop yeah. to other sex workers got arrested in Thailand, and she's fighting extradition to Russia because she says, I have info that Robert Mueller will want. So if they send me to Russia, I might end up dead. Yeah, so... It's... She seems pretty cool, though. Like that's, that's kind of a cool life to be like... A very successful sex worker who goes to Thailand to like do uh, like professional training, like yeah, workshops. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, 
But yeah, you know, you can imagine like in the story, like you're watching that so- now suddenly yeah. there's someone with a lot this of would information. Be like, this would be like episode nine out of 13 yeah, or something, yeah, you know? Like, yeah. just like to, this changes everything, yeah, you yeah. know? This is the information we've been looking for. Our main um, inlet to the Russia scandal is your hairdresser. Yeah. yeah. But I mean... We like her a lot. Yeah, it's, um, it's just because but, she's like the most normie person we interact with, like, yeah. you know, and she like really cares about that stuff and she's really interested in politics and like what's going on around her which are like obviously like really good instincts to have it just mm-hmm. sucks that you know our media our media it's is what it is into a conspiracy theory yeah i mean even okay like we were talking about uh this lacan quote that i know from Jijik because he loves to throw it around that he says if you're a psychoanalyst and you have a patient who's obsessed with the idea that his wife is cheating on him it doesn't matter if it's true or not even if it is true, it's pathological. Right. So, this. So what matters is why does he believe like? But yeah, what does it do for you to yeah, believe that? Yeah. So if you can funnel, all, like this is a woman who really cares about politics a lot more than normal people, and uh, like also the world, like she yeah. travels and stuff, and instead, and now you're giving her this um, entertainment product to pour her political energies into. Yeah. And when we tried to bring up a few different things, like. Uh, sort of that touch on the scandal like the money scandals that kushner is involved in or that trump was on the phone with north korea when he wasn't he was on the phone with south korea like (laughs) what kind of how can you get that wrong what's going on yeah did you really like that's not a slip of the tongue yeah right he must have thought he was on the phone with north korea she just like you know i bring that up and maybe giggles a little bit then is immediately back into the the conspiracy yeah it just becomes an energy sink yeah. for people's passions and emotions and fears. And and I think that it, it also, what does it do for you? It gives you a way to feel smart and informed and a part of the wider society, a part of this group that knows this Russia narrative without having to do the work of like really like reading a lot of articles that are, you know, maybe, like, kind of boring, like, from ProPublica or watching more boring stuff mm-hmm. like Democracy Now! or wherever, whatever, yeah. where they cover stories that are, I would say, more important, you know, but are are less entertaining. So I think that that's also what it does for people. Like, it also, gives you yeah. this sense of, I am doing politics and I'm part of a group and I'm you also, know, informed. Like we talked like about, I'm smarter than other people. Yeah, like we talked about a year ago, maybe in our conspiracy theory episode too. We talked about Eve Sedgwick's idea of uh, paranoid reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like an essay that Eve Sedgwick wrote, where she starts off by talking about. I'm not doing a good job talking today. I'm no, you're just going to apologize for that That's real quick. Fine. You're fine. But uh, she was talking to. She was talking about talking to. Uh, an AIDS activist friend of hers. It was like the late 80s. And she asked her friend, what do you think of these, you know, theories that the government spread AIDS? Um, I don't think Eve believed it. She was just saying as yeah. a topic, like, you know. And her, her friend said, I don't care because let's say it's true. So what? It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, we still have to deal with AIDS. Like, we still have to solve the problem. Yeah. And she, that kind of, that spurs her thinking in this essay about, you know, what what does it mean to see conspiracies? Yeah. And she says that, and she's talking specifically about theory and philosophy, and she says that the influence of 
Marx, Nietzsche, and Freud as too strong because they... Because um, everything's connected in their theories. So well, they, I... they introduced this thing, the hermeneutics of suspicion, mm-hmm. which, because Freud talks about the unconscious, because Marx talks about these underlying structures, mm-hmm. and, and Nietzsche similarly, but when it comes to morals, it gives you this impulse to look under the surface yeah. for a secret meaning. Yeah. That when you know the secret me- meaning, then like the truth will be revealed. That's what I mean. Everything's connected, and if you yeah, can like figure out and start true, pulling yeah. at the thread, grand can, theories yeah. that connect everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, it becomes a fantasy where you think that knowing the truth will do something when it doesn't. Yeah, knowing the truth doesn't materially change the world. Yeah, um, when you listen to UFOologists recently, they've been obsessed with disclosure. Yeah, they don't talk lately about how they can prove that UFOs have visited us or how aliens, how they can prove aliens exist or personal experiences. They talk about what they really want is to know what the government knows. Yeah. Because of a fantasy that... That everything will change. Once yeah. You know. But we don't, we know of like actual conspiracies, right? Like NSA spying on Americans. Yeah. That someone disclosed. So now we know what the government knows. The government knew they were spying on us. Now we know that they're spying on us. Yeah. Nothing changes, right? So. And that's why the Russia scandal is such a great entertainment product, because it takes your political impulse for change and funnels it into this fantasy of paranoid reading, Yeah. where you think somebody's going to find out the truth and disclose it to you, and Trump's going to be gone. Yeah. You know? Which I always think, like, I, I always ask that, too, with the with the Russia conspiracies. Like, what's the end game here? Is the goal to get rid of Trump and what? Have Pence? Is that better? Yeah. Is that what we're rooting for? Because I don't think, like... Having a maniac evangelical in power is really yeah. better than having like an idiot oaf in power. And I don't you know? want to debate about whether it is or isn't. No, it's no, also I'm just, bad at least. Yeah, exactly. You know? I'm just saying it's not better. Yeah. You know, like it's not, not. I don't think like materially people's lives will get better because Mike Pence is in right. charge. You know, like, um, and then the other option is if the goal isn't necessarily like, well, we, you know, really think like people's lives are going to be better if we get rid of Trump because we know that's just not true, right? Then the other option is, so is the goal here to what? To ramp it up to the point where we are in a war with Russia? Because that's the only other outcome. Like, if we're basically having most of the elite, like, right, like, thinking like, okay, Russia collusion is a real thing. I was listening to this, like, Noam Chomsky talk, and he is talking about, like, manufacturing consent, basically, like, in the media. And um, how, like, I always, when I would, like, talk to you about, like, the Iraq war or something would be like, I just don't understand how, as, like, a teenager, I knew that the Iraq war was a bad idea, and there were, like, adults who didn't and were, like, ready to go, and, and I knew that, like, it wasn't connected to 9-11, and, like, that the sanctions were killing children, and all kinds of details that, adults apparently like didn't we, know at the we time had channel one news once a day for 10 minutes and that because just because of that i knew that hans bleaks looked for missiles and didn't find it yeah and then all of a sudden there's we're hearing oh they're there we gotta go in and yeah pay. but yeah. in this talk noam chomsky says that um basically like that like the op-eds and articles and stuff like that in the Washington Post and New York Times are basically elites propagandizing other elites. So the the whole goal is to convince elites that there's 
weapons of mass destruction that would mm. need to go in or whatever. So or that there's a Shia So that's why like they were able once they got like the New York Times to start publishing basically Cheney's propaganda but you know and um stuff like that like they were able to like really quickly convince not the entire country, right? Children like you and me could be like, no, this is wrong, but we don't have a platform. We're not elites. No one cares mm-hmm. what we think. People in Ohio could have and did have protests against going into Iraq, but it didn't matter because we're not elites. What mattered is that there was like the Washington consensus and like yeah. a New York consensus. These elites that basically were propagandized enough by the media to consent, right, to, yeah. to this war happening. So you could say that there were huge anti-war protests but they weren't reported on. Yeah. So you could almost say the fact that they weren't reported on was more important than the fact that they existed. Exactly. Because it, it's like it's kind of like um, what Keynes says the economy, the stock market is, right? Yeah. It's not about, it's like a beauty contest, but instead of trying to pick the most beautiful woman, you're trying to pick what other people will think is yeah. the most beautiful woman. Yeah. And then it becomes trying to pick what other people will think other people will think is the yeah. most beautiful woman. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like creating a, idea that this is what people believe people think we have to go into yeah and also even if transmitting that to the elite decision makers yeah and even if they did report it i think it would also matter how they report it if they just report it as like oh these bumpkins in ohio that don't that have no access to power you know believe that we shouldn't go into war that might honestly convince elite people well we know better than them we don't want to be like them right we'll go in the so so there's a lot of different ways, obviously, that this can play out. But I feel like the with the Russia thing, it's like the same thing. If all these elites are basic, like like Rachel Maddow and stuff, you know, s- smart people who are like Rhodes Scholars and mm-hmm. shit have been convinced that this like Russiagate thing is real, then, I, and I'm not saying that it's not, or that there wasn't some influence or clue. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm just it saying. It doesn't matter. It's still pathological. Yeah. And. And if all these people are convinced that, like, Russia did something bad to America, basically, like, um, on that basic level, then I feel like what's the end result? War with Russia, right? I mean, we, Iraq didn't even do anything bad to us, (laughs) and we went to war. Like, this is a much more direct connection, basically, in people's minds. Like, you know, the end result being war with Russia seems, like, inevitable, and that's obviously fucking terrifying. So I also, like, always want to ask, like, what's the end goal for people who are normal people who, you know, believe in the Russia thing? Because it's like, do you want war? Is that is that where this is leading? I don't know where else that this could lead. Like, yeah. what's the other option? I don't think anyone's going to accept, oh, we were wrong or something like russia you know i don't know it didn't do anything that was that effective like even if they did spend money on facebook ads and whatever else like you know they didn't stop hillary from going to wisconsin so in the end the democrats are just inept and you know need to take responsibility from no no one wants to hear that so you know what what are you left with or let's say it's true that they you know um paid trolls and facebook to create fake Facebook groups and paid for advertising and they spread false narratives, you know, is that something that we can stop? I, I don't let's think say, so. Let's say it's not. Then that means that you might as well act like it never happened. Yeah. Because, or that it wasn't like a, a conspiracy. 
it's still pathological to treat it like it is because you're not going to be able to solve it yeah. by thinking that just revealing the truth is going to solve it. Yeah, and you it's need like, to be able to deal with false information. Yeah, it's just a fact of life now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think for it all has long been a fact of the internet. That's one of the other things that I think, especially for younger people, is like really confusing. It's like yeah. there's always been fake news on the internet. There's always been bad websites with bad information and conspiracy theories. conspiracies and lies and people trolling. Yeah. And, you know, like that's always existed since we've had the internet. So, like, there's, I think for a lot of us who grew up online, like, you just learn how to pick out, like, good sources from bad sources. That's what I think, like, frankly, they should be teaching in schools. Like, I hope they're not still forcing kids to do, like, bibliographies and shit because, who like, uh, like being able to cite a, a properly, like, whether you got it from a book or a website, doesn't seem nearly as important as being able to, like, pick good sources from bad sources online, mm-hmm. you know? like yeah. yeah, I feel like there's a real generation gap. Yeah. And the approach to the Russia scandal. Yeah. Um, and, like, for example, I follow a lot of writers online who are a little bit older than us that were, like, coming out of grad school when we were in undergrad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found them through, like, HTML giant and stuff, you know. So they're smart, semi-avant-garde or very avant-garde writers who are well-educated, um... And they're, like, all in on Russia, like, to the T. Yeah. Or to the... Every single one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But then people younger than us are... (laughs) I don't know what they believe. They never talk about it. They are, like... They go by names like Socialist Sailor Moon. And that's... uh, (laughs) That's cool. Yeah. You know? Like, the difference in culture is stark. Yeah. Um, And I think that it really has a lot to do with internet literacy. Like, that older crowd probably... Didn't really get on the internet until high school or college. You yeah. Know? Yeah, I think that makes a big difference in how people, like, read the internet, yeah. basically. Also, I think Gen X have the worst... Politics. Politics, but especially foreign policy politics. Mm, yeah. Yeah, they just seem to care a lot less about foreign policy than they should. <laughs> yeah. And then the mainstream devs are still, like, Cold War liberals. Yeah. So it's no... Like, I feel like this Russia... Russophilia... Russo... Uh, phobia is just like right under the surface and it was just yeah. ready to start bubbling up uh, yeah, because I guess they grew so. up in that climate yeah. that's why they are so against socialism i don't know yeah. why people don't talk about this more i that, know it was like a concerted effort in the academy to be seen as a legitimate person to like um, embrace capitalism and the logic of the market yeah like, this is a major force for the spread of neoliberalism in it through especially through academic circles was like feeling this need to denounce yeah. communism and Marxism yeah, just absolutely. completely and look to like self-organizing systems like capitalism and market theory. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then also in terms of like, what does this do for you? You know, during lunch we were talking about, I forget exactly what, how I started talking about it, but the reaction of older people to the Russia thing sort of reminds me of, um, like when white people, especially I guess like white supremacists, hear that statistic that like whites will be a minority right. by twenty forty eight or whatever right, the yeah. statistic it or yeah whatever year it's supposed to be, um, and that that like really upsets them and like it, then they start talking about like white genocide and like going in weird directions. I feel like with the Russia thing, it's the same thing because 
um, basically, like, a lot of times, like, if you try to talk to someone and, like, really question them a little bit on the Russia thing, they'll say, well, like, something happened, you know, maybe they didn't collude, but they, um, you know, messed with our election, like, they did something, you know, and it's like, I think the, the kernel of the fear is kind of the same. Because, like, with the white people, the fear is, like, we're going to become a minority, and then minorities can treat us the way that we treated Mm -hmm. them all these years, you know? And with the Russia thing, it's like, well, what's the real kernel of fear here? The fear is that someone, you know, somehow affected our elections, um, altered our elections or or influenced our elections from the outside, yep. which is something that's been the cornerstone of American for, uh, cornerstone, excuse me, of American foreign policy for like forever. At least since the forties and fifties, yeah. if not before. Yeah, well, that's like forever if you're yeah, thirty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, and and now we're essentially seeing ourselves. I think that's like the real fear, especially amongst these older people, is that essentially what what they're seeing without maybe wanting to say it or even consciously admitting it to themselves is that America is a, you know, world power in decline. Yeah. And that this is, uh, ir- like we've talked about that that would happen or, you know, I remember, especially when we were growing up, people talked a lot about China becoming the next world power because of how fast they were growing and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, this is like a irrefutable example I think to people that this is really true, that we are really yeah, yeah. in decline because now a different world power can mess with us yep. in a way that we, you know, I think never thought was possible. So if the CIA came out and said like, Oh, we hacked Russia's voting machines yeah. and we put somebody else in office, Americans would be like, fuck yeah, we're the best. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But this like really freaks us out that someone could do that to us. Yeah. So I think it's interesting because in both cases, like, well, you, you kind of tied this, but in both cases, it's actually it's not fear of the other. It's actually fear of the self, which yeah. is like such a great point. I think it's Thanks, like baby. yeah, it's it's a really interesting way to think about it. And I think that that is also kind of like what does it do for you? Because it's like it's a way to, um, I don't know, almost like keep an eye on this fear that you have that you're that we're like a declining power by like it's constantly talking not- about it. Yeah. Um, well, two things. First, I want to say about the white nationalism. Like, um, isn't that like what underlies all fears about free speech? Is this yeah. uh, increasing diversity? Yeah. Because these people it's worry that your speech won't be as important. Yeah, the people who complain about free speech, they never complain about you know somebody they disagree with being silenced. Yeah. It's only them or people they agree with being silenced. Yeah. They're not fighting for their right to hear different and new opinions, right? No. They're fighting for other people. They're fighting for their right to be heard by other people. Yeah. So, and it's kind of like similar when it comes to the Russia fear. It's a fear of a non-unipolar world. Yeah. Um, it's a fear of, Absolutely. both of them are fears of true diversity and multipolarity, basically. Yeah. So like a lot of uh, elite opinion, speaking of elite opinion, they've been obsessed with this topic for a few years of... Thucydides' Dilemma, which uh, some old Greek guy who wrote about, like, I don't know, the fucking Peloponnesian War, Trojan War, some other shit I don't really know know much about, but I read some articles about the dilemma, and the idea is that every time that a declining power confronts a rising power, there is, like, major war or conflict. Mm -hmm. 
And a lot of discussion lately has been about how, well, that didn't happen after World War II when America became a great power. There's like one or two other examples from the 20th century. So some people say like, oh, maybe it's because of capitalism now we can right. solve our conflicts without war. That's a that's stupid fucking theory. I heard someone talking about it recently on a podcast that's like... Um, Oh, two countries that have a McDonald's have never gone to war <laughs> yeah. against each other. Yeah. Because, you know, capitalists, they're just rational actors that want to make money. <laughs> it's like, uh, okay. It Except, suggests- like, by the way, the Balkans, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, the Balkans, <laughs> like, have McDonald's and, like, have been constant. like, I mean, have, there's been a lot of turbulence and full-out war, like, yeah, since yeah. the 90s. Also, war, I've, I've been thinking about that since we heard that the other week and you were talking about it. War has changed, you know? We don't call things war that are yeah. war. We, now we use terms like conflict, yeah. like um, insurgency, you know? These mm. are all wars. Yeah, yeah. We just pretend there hasn't been a war. Yeah. But really what's changed totally. is the technology. It's not that we're all connected with markets. The world has always been connected with markets. The Vikings had goods from all over the world, but they were pillaging and killing all sorts of people. But um, the dilemma, really, it's the, the people obsessed with Russia aren't ready to deal with that dilemma. Yeah. Really, the conflict is that the declining power is not ready to deal with it being a declining exactly. power. So they stoke war, right? Yeah. So we're seeing that with people obsessed with Russiagate. They aren't somehow willing to accept that America would not be the most powerful power in the world. Um, but that's obviously though, what the panic is about, yeah, right? Underneath totally. all of that. That's and what it the has panic it, and is And it's about. like akin to that white nationalist fear. Yeah. yeah. That's what the panic... The panic is... That, oh my God, we're not going to be in charge anymore. And then people who have been oppressed by us will now be on the same footing as us. Mm-hmm. And that's fucking terrifying to yeah. them. For the longest time, it's just been really hard for me to understand. Like like you said, like there must have been this Russophobia underneath the culture the whole time and stuff like that. That like I personally wasn't that aware of just I guess by virtue of when we were born or you know how Mm. we kind of grew up right after that but yeah I thought like well that must be it at first when the Russia thing happened because it was just and just like caught like fire right away because I was like they they must just really hate Russia or maybe they're just want to drum the beats for war maybe the contractors are like going to make money off of war so that's why they're like you know like I was trying to think, like, go through, like, what, what, what is the underlying issue here? Why, you know, but now, the more I think about it, I think it's that deep-seated fear about being a declining power that's really at the heart of it. And, and, and the fact that they, especially because once you get, like I said, once you kind of start, okay, well, collusion, uh, there's not that much evidence that there's, like, officially collusion, not in, like, the... At least that we're aware of That we're aware of. I'm, but, okay, but if you but talk yeah. to someone and you're like, well, okay, they're, like, pretty willing to throw that out. And now it's like, okay, maybe not collusion, but they definitely, like, influenced our elections. If or, there's no collusion, I really don't understand what the big deal is personally but i'm i'm just saying what does it do for you like we were saying okay if there's no collusion they're still upset okay what are you upset about well they affected our elections we can't know if our elections were true if if there might have been interference by russia well we we've been doing that to other countries for years isn't it that fucked up isn't that something we should be worried about that we've inflicted this on other people but we're not upset they're not upset about that they're not worried about that they're worried about it the other way around which means that what they're really afraid of is that we are going to be treated the way we have treated other countries. Yeah. And 
I just think that's. I think it's also that's gotta be like the the kernel that, and I think that's especially why it catches um, on th- so hard think, with older people. I think it's also a f- it's um, a fear of like losing the fantasy of control. Yeah, like, for sure. Why why would Americans or even American elites be concerned that we're not gonna determine what happens in East Asia? You know, that's the other side of the world. I know. Or or NATO, we're not really we're not part of Europe. NATO is mostly Europe. The like, fear is that if we're not in control, someone else yeah. will be, and they'll be the ones telling the us what to do. The fear ultimately, but the fear ultimately is just not being in control. Yeah, and that's just something you have to yeah, deal because, with in life. That's yeah. something you have to accept. That's the same fear of not being a unipolar power in your or, life or a, a implicitly master race. Yeah, is now who knows what will happen. Yeah, yeah. That's why people turn to fascism. Is is the fantasy of control? Yeah. Because they're not willing exactly. to accept death, ultimately. Yeah, so. yeah, and they're afraid of the unknown. What? Yeah. Who knows what will happen? Because we don't know that, well, if we're not in control of everything, like, life in America will become hell, right? But that's, like, the assumption, you know? Yeah. Um, but it could just be that, like, maybe we'll start investing in America instead <laughs> yeah. of shit around the world. Like, maybe, a bunch of bases around the world. Maybe we'll have real coalitions in the world instead yeah. of, you know, get... Uh, fucking those tiny islands to join us yeah. and now we say we have a coalition to go to war yeah maybe we'll have actual yeah we'll have to actually have a real consensus in the world before we go to, yeah. to war somewhere yeah i think that that's probably the... so if you want to support diversity you have to be anti-imperialist yeah definitely and you have to be okay with america not controlling the world i was thinking another reason people believe in conspiracy theories and this gets back to the generational point like your, your hairdresser is of sort of the Watergate generation. Yeah. You know? They grew up with Watergate assassinations. Um, yeah. She know. was saying that. She said, like, a lot... There, She basically said a lot of conspiracy theorists spring up right after Watergate, and that's because, like, the worst things you could have imagined about the people in power turned out to be yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, totally. But what is the defining feature of conspiracies about assassinations? And, you know, forget if they're those conspiracies about the JFK assassination or RFK or whatever MLK are correct or not, still we can examine their pathology. Right. The defining, like the ultimate reason to believe it is because there's still a powerful government in charge. Yeah. Yeah. Someone's still, yeah, not just in control, like hyper control. Like yeah. they're, they're moving the president and think whatever around like puppets, you know, yeah. like into positions like <laughs> as yeah. needed. Like So this Russia fantasy is totally caught in that yeah. power play too i agree you know it's it becomes we just need to get like obama back in office because he is powerful yeah right now putin's powerful and we just need to get our guy in there to dominate again well it's like what we say that's why they're inherently reactionary conspiracy theories yeah. is because they they actually just reinforce the status quo right like it's not that we need to like completely overhaul our political system or that you yeah. know we need to change our economy or campaign whatever. differently yeah. at least you yeah know? Be, no. be, have an appealing politics that people will support yeah yeah we just need to like you said like get obama a competent person like obama back into power yeah. you yeah. know so it's not actually calling for any type of radical change like most of the time yeah conspiracy theories essentially say like there's a group of powerful elites controlling everything at the top and like you're saying like well then we don't have to worry that we live in an unpredictable world mm-hmm. or think about death, <laughs> you know, kind of yeah, yeah. further along. Like, because 
someone's completely in control yeah. and like will be okay. Like I have these feelings of paranoia and fear, but now I have an object for them. Yeah. You know, it's the government. Yeah. And also like the government is is a big player, right? They're they're gonna they're be not worried about you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So your life is gonna be okay. Things are basically going to continue as they are, right? Even if if the government never discloses about aliens or whatever you know, yes, that bothers the ufologist, but at the same time, like, his life will just continue as it is. The status quo continues. Like, there's nothing to really be afraid of or even fight for, like... Yeah. I bet a lot of them, deep down, just want to wage a heroic losing battle. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Anything else we want to talk about? No, that's pretty good. Yeah. I feel like people should listen to this episode stoned. We can, like, <laughs> this was very like a, a white matter episode, like the connections in your brain. like. Yeah. Yeah, it was a little freewheeling, but, yeah. you know, I think it was pretty good. I don't yeah. know. I, I want to have conversations like this and not just, I don't always want to, like, try to teach people about something or whatever. <laughs> you know, we're not experts on anything. Yeah. I just think we have good conversations, and I want to have good conversations with other people. Oh, speaking of which, we should have said this at the beginning, but go listen to um, the conversation we had with the guys from Two Thumbs Down. Uh, I linked it on our page, um, but, yeah, we did that last week, and it was awesome because yeah, that was one fun. of the reasons that I wanted us to, like, actually create this podcast is so we could have, like, cool conversations with people Um like whether that was like our friends that are far away or other podcasters or people who want to like get in touch with us via Facebook or Twitter. So that was really cool. Yeah. We should try to do more guest situations. Yeah. I, yeah, I want to have them on our podcast too. I just want to pick like a good, um, TV show or something to make them watch. Or maybe when they see Annihilation, we can talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's another thing we saw Annihilation. It was pretty good. Yeah. I'd say like a B plus. Yeah, I think. I think it's one of those movies that seems deep, but isn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt that way. It's a great like body horror example, which is one of my favorite. Totally, it's all. It was really cool body horror. Yeah, it was really original body horror. Like I think one of the things that stuck with me the most that was body horror wasn't actually like the I would say the scene most people would pick out where like this guy's like organs are moving around in his Mm -hmm. body like a snake, but um, was actually. Uh, this like bear creature that this like spoilers but anyway uh there's a bear creature that kills one of the women who goes in into the shimmer which is like this soap bubble yeah it's thing. a it's a region caused by a meteor crash yeah that the, that's the thing they go into this region where everything's being weird and- yeah um anyway so this bear comes at them and kills one of the women and then they get into like a house or building or whatever um to get away from the bear but then the bear like finds them because well they they start they're basically in the house yeah and then uh they hear the dead woman's voice yeah outside yeah and so and then it turns out she runs outside to go help that woman but it turns out it's the bear so when the bear like instead of roaring it mimics the last thing that it killed that was Mm -hmm. screaming and then it comes into the house, and it's, like, blind, so it can't see them, but it's, like, roaring, trying to figure out where they are. And every time it roars, you just hear this woman's, like, dying screams, and there's yeah. just something so 
body horror about that to me that to the idea of some something that killed you like stealing your voice and like the last kind of living sounds you make and stuff like that yeah. that really like oh just deep down inside made me like <laughs> feel awful yeah it was really good though it was a really cool idea yeah it was cool there it's like they're constantly it's in this region uh that is fucked up because of the meteor crash like everything mutates yeah so. everything fractures like mm -hmm. uh, uh refracts the dna right, is like yeah. refracted like through a prism so it gets all mixed up yeah so up, you yeah. have like flowers almost growing like bouquets even though they're all the same organism yeah. but they're growing like completely and you have animals mixing up and things twinning yeah 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 the worst part of the movie is they kind of stick on this like they they almost make the entire movie a metaphor for a relationship where somebody cheats on you yeah. It's kind of a bummer. Yeah, just ignore that part. Yeah. I don't know. It wasn't that interesting. But they have to do that, apparently, when they make movies. <laughs> they don't think you'll be interested in something unless it... Has a personal relationship. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think the kind of, like, who are we, what makes us who we are. Also, like, the... I think another aspect of the body horror that was interesting was, like, um, the interrogation into DNA and, like, sort of the fear. Like, you know, we have, obviously, like, data all around us all the time and tons and tons of data that we have access to and uh, the government has access to data on us and stuff like that. So I think part of what they were interrogating was like this idea of like if a bit of like that, you know, in just like a drop of blood or whatever, you're leaving a ton of information, a ton of data about yourself. And then what happens when that data gets like refracted through this prism mm -hmm. and you end up maybe like with monsters and also just the idea of like, I think your data, like you leaving your data That's around true, everywhere yeah. and stuff like that. And these like small things, these little building blocks of life being refracted into both beautiful things yeah. and monsters. And that was like, pretty interesting. And the like twinning and relationship aspects of the movie kind of back that up. Like which you is really you. Yeah. Which way that people see you is really you. Yeah. Yeah. And also what makes you you? Like, just because your DNA is the same, like, are you still you? Like, you know, mm -hmm. stuff like that. That's obviously, like, not new questions, but interesting questions still. Yeah. I think body stuff is one of my favorite genres in general. I have two other quick recommendations. I hate it usually, that. but this movie did it well. Yeah. I usually, like, I like, like, horror movies that are, like, psychologically scary. Like, The we Orphanage saw, is one of my favorites. I remember we saw Jennifer's Body a long time ago. You yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah. But overall, I just, it really, I don't like seeing, like, just gross horror stuff, especially with the body. Well, I like it because it is very affecting. Especially if there's any kind of amputation. Like, I cannot yeah. handle that. That really freaks me out. It's really freaky yeah. sometimes, yeah. Not when you see people in real life. No, no, no. I'm in a horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, quick... having that happen to you. Yeah. Like, in a horror situation is what freaks me out i guess also i find it fascinating and cool like yeah freaky but in a way where it's fascinating and cool the idea imagining having a phantom limb that's kind of cool no yeah <laughs> i don't want to <laughs> imagine if i felt like i was touching you but my hand could just like pass through your face you know I mean, it's not there. It's not real. Yeah, I don't know. And I guess that is interesting. Maybe it'd be cool to experience, but it sounds like a curse. Yeah. <laughs> um, two quick body-related anime recommendations, since we're on the topic. Made in Abyss is really good. Gets super dark. I wish I could spoil the like body horror aspect of it that comes in at the end, because it's really cool. 
and messed up. But um, check it out. Stick through the first three episodes if you're not into it, because it changes. And also I'm watching Kaiba, which is by the guy who did Devil Man Crybaby and Ping Pong the Animation and all that other stuff I love. And it's a really like cool animation where um, it looks like those really old school comics like from the 1910s and stuff um it's basically drawn like that instead of normal anime and it's a sort of like fantasy sci-fi um world where you switch bodies basically like um you can download your memories into a chip that you can plug into different bodies but basically this world only works for rich people and poor people just end up like literally selling their bodies and stuff like that Mm. so it's a cool like body switch thing yeah yeah cool okay well i think we can wrap it up there um hopefully this is a good freewheeling up yeah and uh hopefully we'll do another one soon since adam's on spring break mm-hmm. maybe we'll we'll get another one in the can for next week yeah I'm taking a short trip at the end of the month maybe we could record one that's, in the wilderness that's what i was thinking i that'd was thinking nice. that'd be cool so we'll see. Don't want to make any promises on that because there's a really solid chance we will just totally forget. But <laughs> hopefully we'll do something like that. Um, so, yeah, you can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Twitter, Facebook, all at Cold Pizza Party. Yeah. If there's some other app we should be on, let us know. That way if we're not yeah, on, like if know. you're really into, I don't know, Google Play or something like that, we can make that happen. I don't know yeah. exactly how, but I'm sure we can figure it out. I think people are getting their podcasts on Spotify lately. Oh, we could do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, if, if someone, yeah, if someone's like... If why, a single person wants to. <laughs> I know, we would do it, hard, yeah. No. Um, that stuff's easy. Yeah, so you could just let us know if that is something that would work for you. Uh, you can leave us a review on iTunes. We have like five-star reviews but i think we only have like five of them so oh that's pretty good <laughs> i know but i know it's very nice thank you to the people who have reviewed yeah. us that's very nice it makes us feel very good um but yeah if you want to leave us a review that'd be really cool yeah or not i don't know do whatever you want do whatever feels right but if yeah. you remember um and yeah remember to wear sunscreen guys because you don't want to have your own body horror happening on your face or to die from it yeah i know it sounds really fucking scary yeah just it's so easy to avoid too like just put sunscreen on just buy a moisturizer with mineral sunscreen it's very easy just wear a hat sunglasses put sunglasses on get gloves wear long sleeves but seriously you can it's pretty easy to put sunscreen on and you know remember to reapply it you're serious Yes, because I, I, like, I don't know. I feel like, oh, my God, like, why haven't I been more serious about this sooner? Like, so I just want everyone else to know about it, too. I want you guys to live long, happy, not cancer-free lives. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, that's it. Do you, oh, I, it's my turn to pick a song. Okay. So uh, we'll ride out to Men I Trust, Show Me How. Okay, the band is called Men I Trust. The song is called Show Me How. Okay. Okay. Bye.
my first day. 